how do I make myself as useful as possible? How do I cover as much ground? So I'm like, well, if I'm more versatile, if I have more skills, if I have more things to offer, I don't care which one of these careers takes off, just as long as one of them does. All right, we're back in the studio here for the Indie LA podcast with Mr. Randy Gist, saxophonist, arranger, composer, DJ, performer, photographer, film editor. Randy, is there anything I'm missing? That's a long list. Uh... Human being. Yeah. Dude, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, I, I just want to get right into it, man. Um, I've, I feel like I owe a lot of my, uh, my music ability and, um, you know, pursuing this passion to, to Randy. You know, like um, we met when, uh, when I was in uh, band camp. Yeah. And Mark Marcus was telling me you were his uh, camp counselor. Yeah, freshman year of high school for him and freshman year of college for me. Yeah. Um, amazing. Like, I, I know that, like, Randy was just like a huge influence, like saxophone and just like, uh, you know, the way he was like, he's teaching us on the field. Um, like, that's what inspired me. I kind of want to get into like what inspired you. Like, how did you get started like with uh, with saxophone? Was that like your first like like love for, for music or what was that like? I have a older brother who is 15 years older than me, who is a saxophonist uh, in Grand Rapids, Michigan. He's incredible. He's always been incredible since the first time I heard him, which was basically what it was. So I, I was like. I had to be maybe seven, somewhere between seven and 10 years old. And I got to go to a bar with my parents. And okay. they were like, they let me in because they're like, obviously this kid's not drinking and he's with his parents, right. but he just wants to see his brother play, right? So I get to hear him play. And then I'm like, are you serious? Like, this looks so fun. Because <laughs> I was like, well, dad, what, you know, what do you do for work? Like, you got to go sit behind a desk and do boring stuff. And then I could do this instead. I'm like, forget it. It's over. So I, I was like, I want to play saxophone. But they were like, you got to wait until you're in fifth grade. And then they're going to let you try all the instruments. And then if they let you, then you can start in sixth grade. So I started playing when I was 11. Nice. And um, like what what inspired you to like continue that? Because like, I know a lot of kids, they start like young. Like I know you said you had like the older brother like as an influence. But were, were there any other like influences that you had to like continue like that saxophone journey? Yeah, I know. I know for me, I started about the same age, but I it kind of just music kind of dropped off for me at some point, and uh, you know I put the saxophone down after junior high. Oh wow! Okay, <laughs> we got all saxophone players in right. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> There's a theme going on. Yeah, I mean, I was in middle school, and I was basically always second chair to to one of my best friends, like always, and I just could not get past her, mm. and she like. I mean, she had lessons. She had all this other stuff. And at the time, my brother was out of the house. He was he was being an adult, so I didn't see him that much. Um, so we didn't really. I really didn't start getting any sort of lessons or anything for my brother until I was in my like almost well, some in high school, late high school, and then and then college basically. But yeah, I mean, I almost quit going into ninth grade. Really, and I was like, if mm -hmm. I can't beat her, like I'm never gonna. She's not as good as my brother, so I'm never gonna even oh, get there. You know what I mean? So. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think I just stuck it out. I was like, well, let me give it another chance in high school. Maybe I'll figure something out. And then I went to Abersold camp mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, in Kentucky, in Louisville, Kentucky. And that was it. Yeah, I, I did like, a couple of those. Yeah, I was like, I have to figure this out. And then I got addicted to the game of like trying to figure out how to, how to really, like what makes this work. I can do this. Yeah. And, and those were so intense because um what what was it uh about a week a week and a half a week yeah and um what what kind of music were you guys playing down there what was what made it so special 
Oh, uh, it was it was jazz, and it was okay. it was the hard. I was just trying to figure out how to play a solo, like at mm-hmm. all. Like, what do you do, and how do you do it? How do you just come up with this stuff, you know, off off the brain, like out of nowhere, and and make it sound dope? Like, how do you do it? And I was just fixated on trying to figure that out. Yeah, yeah. So that yeah, that Abersold camp was just like a a week, like an intensive of just um, you know, c- kind of like auditioning a little bit, but then being placed in like a small group, a band. You had like a, a leader that was just like showing you like uh, all the tricks and trades of like jazz performance and improvising. Um, a, a little bit of like arranging, maybe. Like I feel like a they, little bit. They did some music theory stuff. The main thing was just getting obliterated day in and day out by. <laughs> By literally everyone. Yeah, yeah. Just feeling, mind blown. Feeling yeah. like you should quit every day, but I, yeah. I just like I don't know. It was, I think it was this, and what attracted me to jazz in general is I was like, man, it's not that I thought it was the the best music in the world, which in a certain sense I think it is, but it's that I knew that if I could figure this stuff out, everything else is easier. Yeah, and that's still true to this day. I I believe that at the very, very deepest depths of my soul is like, if you can figure out how to play jazz in a very legitimate way, mm-hmm. like you understand what's happening, you get, you know, the traditions, you know, you can improvise, you understand theory and all that. If you can figure this out, you could literally transition into any career on earth and it will be easier. I don't care what it is. I don't think there's anything harder. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree with that. Like, um, I know that my first um, experience, like, doing like an improvised uh, improvised solo was um was actually dr sawyer dude of course he, yeah i'm so i'm in band i'm in uh i was in the the second jazz band of like three and i'm like they they put me in there as like the third alto saxophonist which there's never <laughs> more than two but i don't know they they wanted me to be in like that second group and um i know that like you know, like like the first uh, the first band had like Ryan Proch in it, right? Mm-hmm. And like I remember like 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 hearing Ryan and just being like inspired, but um, I never really took uh, initiative to like learn like how to like play or how to like solo or anything. And uh, dude, we're playing Blue Bossa, and like one of the most embarrassing moments of my life. Doctor Sawyer, like you know, he, he does the, the loop, right? Yeah. He has the rhythm section do the loop and he just calls on people. He just calls on you, calls on you. And I'm in my chair and I'm just, I'm looking at my, my sheet music and I'm like, he's not gonna, he's not gonna pick me. Like I'm the freshman in the group. I'm third chair. Third saxophone. Right, right. He's, he's not gonna, I'm not gonna get picked for this moment. Dude, Doc looks at me, points, Marcus, blow. <laughs> dude, I, dude, I, I was just like, what? I, I do, I, I don't, and I, dude, I stood up and played the worst, like, notes of my life. Like, things that I don't even think were notes. Yes. Like, man, I, and I, I was so embarrassed in front of, like, all, everybody else is, like, a like junior, senior, maybe, like, sophomore. But um, I remember going home that week and practicing so hard and working on a solo, actually writing out, like, ideas for a solo. Back then, I wasn't very good at notation, so I was, like, just writing, like, the letters down and everything. Um, I I had a 32-bar solo memorized in, like, a week and a half. And and we ended up doing that song, and he gave me a solo in the, the little um, sort of, like, jazz festival that we had. Yeah. Yeah, like, a couple of months after. So it, it kind of pushed me out of my comfort zone, and it, like, it, it made me, like, fall in love with not just, like, the creation process, but, like, I, like I can do this. Like you know, if I sit and study it, like I can do that. Like you, you just reminded me. 
I forgot another thing that really motivated and pushed me, and this is a little evil, but there was a, an older student, and I remember he took a solo because I hadn't taken one yet. Mm-hmm. And he took a solo, and I was listening to it, and, and I knew from hearing my brother all these years, I'm like, nah, it ain't supposed to sound like no, that. No, that's uh-huh. not it. And I was like, man, I could do this. And then I got up to take a solo, and I just went for it, and yeah. I was like, oh, I don't sound very good. <laughs> and he didn't sound good either because we're both in high school. We're still just kids, but I was like, man, like, nah let me try again and i i I got again i got addicted to like trying to figure it out because Uh i was like there's no way like when i watch people do it and it looks so easy and they're having so much fun i'm like there's no way that it's this hard like i there's got to be a way to figure this out right and then i and then you get sucked in yeah (laughs) i mean even just you're saying like that uh being at that camp and feeling like obliterated almost every day being around those people talented people it it it's that competitiveness it, it it helps you i think and even just feeling like oh i'm not as good but i know i can be yeah and, and there's a there's a balance too because if you if you get obliterated too much then you you then you quit sure, because you're like this sure. isn't worth the abuse mm-hmm. but i think in the and they've done a really great job there with keeping like trying to match you with people around your level and etc i do remember too dave liebman uh amazing legendary saxophonist basically was like he he took a group of us and was listening to all of us and he was like, "All right, everybody, play Happy Birthday." And then at the end, he was like, "All right, everybody, put your, everybody put your horns down. Like, <laughs> you guys don't sound like anything. Like, you sound awful." And then you started just going down the history and like gave us a history lesson and then mm-hmm. like go practice and get your life together. Yeah, yeah. Some of that works though. Um, with, with with that genre, like in particular, like I feel like when you're like thrown into like the fire a little bit, like. You know, yeah, that, I mean, I know that that helped me putting me on the hot seat. Like, yes, I was like, yeah, I'm never getting embarrassed like this again. Like, exactly. there's no way it's not happening. <laughs> exactly. I think the, the only solo I ever played saxophone was, I think, sixth grade Christmas concert. Yeah. Uh, all they, right. They, they had me play uh, green sleeves. There uh, you go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but uh, I, I had like a couple months to prepare for that one. So I didn't, <laughs> I didn't have quite the same experience. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, Randy, it sounds like for you, you know, you had your brother as an influence. Um, I know that I had a moment in in high school and uh, you might not even know this, but uh, my junior year in high school, 16 years old, um, the Western Michigan University Nonet comes to my high school to perform. And you're in the band, Jay Sawyer. um, I remember Nick Manila. I don't remember most of the other band members, but... You guys came and performed for us, and I specifically remember uh, your arrangement of, um, or actually, I think it was the bass player who did um, uh, Havana Weather Report. Oh, yeah, Dennis. Yeah, yeah, was that Dennis? Dennis Dennis Shebikov. Yeah, Yeah, dude, you guys did that, performed that arrangement, and my mind was just, like, torn into pieces. Like, I was like, this, I was like, I gotta do this. Like, I gotta go to this school, I gotta be, like, in this band. Like, Like, yeah, we were hooked, like, in that moment, like that. Was that for me? I wonder if you had like any any moments like that, like any like big, you know, influential like sparks that really like made it click for you. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I've had like millions of them. I honestly, I feel like, and this is something I look for. I'm always looking for those moments, and I feel like during that time period, I would have it like every day mm. for different reasons about different things. Like I initially, I went to Central Michigan first, mm-hmm. and I had that there when I was watching other people do things, and then you kind of you, you kind of rise to whatever level and then you realize, okay, I'm kind of at, I've hit as, as high as I'm going to get in this environment. And then you look for the next thing. And, yeah. then I, and then Jay was at Western. So I was like, yo, what are you, you know, what are you guys doing over there? And I, I got to hear what they were doing. I was like, yo, 
I need to be over here. So I transferred. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, and then every day, same thing. Like I would hear, I would be in the, like Nick, Nick would be practicing in the next practice room over. Yeah. I'd be like, knock, knock, knock. Like, yo, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing in there? And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, explain it to me. Like, so it was, it was honestly like constant. And I think if I was going to tell somebody, this is kind of a tangent, but about schools in particular or mm-hmm. any sort of educational situation, I'm mm-hmm. like, don't make the mistake of basing your thing on the teacher's ability as a performer. Mm. That doesn't matter. I would more so look at the students and what they're doing afterwards. Uh, okay. At, what, you know, what, what, how do your students sound and what do they do after they leave your tutelage? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, because, yeah, your teacher might sound great, but they might be an awful teacher. Yeah. Yeah, not everyone who can perform can teach and vice versa. Exactly. I experienced that uh, even with my, my skating career and other things too. Yeah, that's exactly it. So I'm like, so yeah, I would often be more inspired by my peers. Yeah, and yeah. Pe- and, and sometimes it was also just like, oh, you're doing this thing and it's a little bit more in reach too sometimes than maybe what your teacher may be doing. It's like, oh, I can I can grasp this and we're kind of learning it together and growing together and et cetera. So, yeah. you know, but if anything, you know, you want, you want to be learning from somebody way better than you. You want to be learning from somebody a a little bit better than you want to be learning from people worse than you. You want to learn from people the same as you. So like mm-hmm. however many different ways you can get the information, just get it, just get it however you can get it. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, yeah, that that's smart. And um, like, I feel like we kind of got that surrounded by like um, peers with like like-minded interests. Like I know that um, when I was in school, I was doing a lot of writing. I was putting like groups together and like there, there was a lot of that. I mean, I was mostly, you know, the dumbest kid in the room and like least skilled. But um, I, you know, I preferred that, like to to like kind of like level like myself up. And like, like you're right, like all of these like different um levels, like learning from like people, like that's gonna make you like more well rounded and like understand like the art form. I think a little bit more. There's there's a value too. I think I I would I I almost said, oh yeah, once you're the best person in the room, you need to find a new room. But there's also, there's a lot of value that can be also placed on, okay, if you're the best in the room, or at least among the best in the room, then stay there for a while. Get comfortable in your own skin, like, mm-hmm. because it, it helps build confidence. And what's wild is actually, okay, I did have a story. I went to, um, after I, I was getting ready to graduate from Western, I went to New York City. I was checking out a bunch of different grad schools. Okay. I went to this jam session and there were like, like 20 saxophone players all new york grad students or just people that are just in new york yeah just ripping everybody ripped their solos like it was crazy it was like it was like there were no permutations of notes left to play yeah (laughs) everyone has played everything in all octaves and registers of the instrument at all speeds every rhythm every everything it was done (laughs) and then here i come number 16 right i'm like time to play and i'm like uh and I just decided I was just going to play the way I play. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm and i great. Like, I know I'm very good. I worked really hard. Yeah. But these dudes te- technically and objectively were exponentially better than I would have ever been, mm. and, than I ever will be, than I even care to be. Mm-hmm. And I played a solo. And at the end, the piano player, who was this this chick, she was the baddest person in the room by far. Mm-hmm. Like, she, she was incredible. And it was her, her jam. Like, it was her. She was running it, right? And at the end, she comes up to me and she says, I just want to let you know, like, you played the best solo that I heard the entire night. Yeah. And I was like, what? <laughs> and she's like, no, I really, really mean that. 
And I was like, what do you, like, what do you mean? How? And then she's like, well, honestly, it's like you got up there and you played music. Like you played something honest. I felt it. Mm-hmm. It reached me. And yeah, you just like kind of cut through the noise. And it reminded me like, you know, coming out of Western, I was feeling good about myself. Like uh-huh. I'm pretty good. And then I got to New York and I was like, man, I suck. But <laughs> yeah. then she said that, you know what I uh-huh. mean? And it reminded me, nah, man, just, just do what you do and believe in yourself. And like, this isn't, it's not the Olympics. Like you can't competitively art. Right, right. It's such a stupid idea. You can't compete art. Yeah, mm-hmm. everything, everything's objective, you know. Yeah. Everyone has a different feel. Everything, everyone feels things differently. Exactly. Yep. So, yeah. yeah. And, and I think, like, um, all of that focus in school, like, sometimes you can get, like, lost in that. Like, um, you know, am I am I hitting my arpeggios? Am I doing, like, these, uh, am I hitting, like, every uh, change? Like, what scale am I using? Like, um like like sometimes that study can like steer you away from like like what you're saying like that musicality of it but um uh at least for me like that's what i fell in love with like the moment i heard jazz is like i can feel their expression like i can like sense you know their their presence like in the room with like my headphones on like this is like uh like this is a passionate like expressive art form um you, you got to know the scale. You got to know the, the details. You got to know like um, your way around the horn. But um, like you said, like the like the musicality of it. And you said that you brought that out in your playing. Like that's important too, for sure. That's like priority number one. Like if you're not, if that's not the goal, then I'm like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. If you're not trying to commute, communicate something, like tell a story, like make people feel something. Yep. I mean, if you're doing a science project, that's fine. Do your science project. But if we're talking about music, I'm just like, yeah, like. It's the same thing like people talk about practicing long tones yeah. a lot on whatever instrument you play. And I never really liked long tones and I never liked the concept of practicing long tones. I've done it. yeah. But people would get really into it, I think, just purely based out of someone told you to do this. Mm-hmm. A lot of people did this. They say it's really important. And I was like, no, your tone matters all the time, yeah. long or short. Right. I'm always practicing tone. There's never a moment when I'm not practicing tone. So I don't need to isolate long tones to practice tone right you just aren't listening enough you're doing i would say you're just not practicing yeah if you have to if you have to create separate space for that then i'm like you're maybe not doing something right right right. but that's me i'm i could be wrong well um so let's transition into um how you got into these other endeavors because um you know i didn't always know you as a as a dj or a photographer or film editor um you know you're in school you learned how to compose and arrange and like do the saxophone but what got you into these other things and like why do you like continue to pursue them uh because i get bored (laughs) yeah (laughs) and i get frustrated and i get angry and then i'm like it's just the same thing that i think it's not i mean at least when i talk to my parents it's not really any different than i've ever kind of been like i saw somebody pogo sticking when i was a kid and i'm like i'm gonna learn how to do that and Mm -hmm. i got a pogo stick and i'm like i'm gonna do a thousand jumps on the pogo stick and i did not stop until i got it It took me a few days and and then eventually you get it or like with soccer or something. I'm like, I'm going to bounce the ball on my knee a hundred times and I'm not going to stop until I get it. And then you do it. And then I'm like, this is boring. I need something else. Uh-huh. So I think a lot of it, you know, I moved to LA after I was, I did grad school in Miami. I moved to LA. I'm like, I'm trying to get my career started. And I'm really just like, I'm like, yeah, I want to make, I want to make money. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> I, I want to eat. So I'm like, how do I make myself as useful as possible? How do I cover as much ground? It's possible. So I'm like, well, if I'm more versatile, if I have more skills, if I have more things to offer, I don't care which one of these careers takes off. 
just just as long as one of them does. Now, thankfully, they all kind of happened at the same time. Yeah, which is scary, but also like you just figure it out. You know what I mean? Um, so I think like uh, DJing, for instance, it kind of naturally evolved from other gigs that I was already doing, and then I was like, ah, oh, you know what? I'm already here. Mm-hmm. and i'm bored of playing like i don't want to play september ever again for the rest of my life yeah i played this song a billion times and now i'm like yeah man like i need to get i just want something else to do maybe i'll sing maybe i'll rap maybe i'll find some other way give me a drumstick so i can just start hitting something like right right i'll play the bass line on the keys on this i'll play the synth bass line just anything <laughs> to to keep it interesting so then yeah djing kind of came about you know i asked um friend of mine uh cory almeida and tara bonilla like they've been mentors for me especially in this djing stuff like and i kind of started there i was just like hey would you guys mind teaching me how to do this and then next thing you know i'm doing it and my what's funny is my first proper dj gig ever mm-hmm. was uh, a stage show at the el capitan for the nutcracker in the four realms oh so, wow that's cool scariest <laughs> thing in my entire life <laughs> like i've never really really done this before now i'm having to do it like on hollywood boulevard and like for a very big thing yeah, yeah. it was scary it was fun it was yeah a big i guess a, a big growing opportunity mm-hmm. um but that's djing and then over the pandemic everything shuts down right and I'm like, well, maybe I'll start a YouTube channel or something. So I'm like, let me try this out. And then in in the middle of it, I got really addicted to cameras mm-hmm. and trying to figure out, oh, I love messing around with the camera. And if I could do this, then I can make any kind of content I ever want. And now I don't even make that much content. But whenever I need to, you have the skills. I, I have the skill. Mm-hmm. And now I do it for myself. I can do it for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, I turned my garage into a photography video studio. So now anytime I need you know, headshots or my wife needs headshots or my friends need, I did a headshot session yesterday. Like, yeah, it's available. So I just get bored, man. Yeah. Do you, do you feel like, uh, all your experience with music and saxophone coming here and kind of opening up all these other facets, do you feel like that learning process has helped you in learning other things? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I, I, I will say this again, anytime, anywhere that like, if you can, if your brain can process jazz, if you can learn how to play like very high level jazz music, not because of not because you like the music, it's not any of that, but the process of learning it and then being able to execute it. If you can learn this, you can literally learn anything else because it it's the hardest thing in the world, yeah. like I swear. It's so technical but also kind of artistic and free at the same time. Exactly, and you have to learn how to work with other people. You have to learn how to work by yourself. Like there's a massive amount of self-responsibility that's in there like having to practice every single day to get it having to listen um i mean it's kind of endless but now all of the skills you learn from doing that are completely transferable again into anything else like i learned photography and i say learned like oh i've completed it but it's not like that but i've learned photog- i learned how to be a professional photographer in about 6 months mm-hmm. but only because i already knew all of the material and how to learn the material from music yeah um, which there's a lot of overlap there. There's a tremendous amount of overlap between music and, and visual art. Mm-hmm. All these things are, are really the same. I mean, that's I guess that's what I'm saying. Like you could take this stuff and apply it anywhere else, and you'd be like, oh, okay, this is the same process. You yeah, just need the, to put the, in your the concept doesn't change. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, you heard it there, kids. Uh, learn jazz <laughs> learn first. Jazz. Giant steps, all twelve steps. Yep. All twelve keys, right? <laughs> and you can figure out anything. Um. So okay. 
uh, what, what advice would you give to to somebody who um who, who has one trade like like feels like they can like like start another but are a little bit like timid about it um like like uh how do they get like off their feet or like how do they get to like where they're going well the first thing is this and it's really simple you're gonna die you're gonna fail no, no, no. You're going to die. <laughs> your life is going to cease. It's going to see like you're going to die at some point. You're going to die and you're going to get to the end of your life. And you're like, why didn't I do that thing? Mm-hmm. And the story's been told a million times, but I, you have to remind people you're going to die and it's going to be over. And you're going to be like, man, that really wasn't like, what did I have to lose? Mm-hmm. Now that I'm about to lose everything, what did I have to lose? I might as well have just tried. Right. And I'd much rather try something, hate it. And be able to say, no, I know for a hundred, like a hundred percent certainty that I did not like that. Mm-hmm. I don't have to repeat the experience, but the mystery, like I don't like mystery. Right. That, that bothers me. <laughs> I want to know, can I do it? Would I like it? Like it's up to me. I get to choose. So I, my first piece of advice is whatever it is, just do it. Just try it. Mm-hmm. Like go all in for like, give yourself a month. Be like, I'm going to pursue this aggressively for a month. And just see what happens. I need to take this advice for myself. Yeah. <laughs> I have to remind myself, dude, just do it. But it's important. Like that's how you get started is just, just do it. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is read, listen. Like again, if you're, gonna, if you're going to do it, immerse yourself in whatever the thing is. So I mean, like I learned photography and everyone says, oh, you learned it so fast. And I'm like, yeah, I learned it fast, but I put in a lot of hours. Yeah. A lot of hours like really quickly. So it's like I was watching YouTube for like 10, 12 hours a day every day for about six months oh um it's such a valuable tool nowadays yeah i'm jealous that it wasn't around when i was yeah, when even we were young. younger <laughs> yeah um but yeah i think it's really a matter of how can i completely immerse myself in in an all-consuming way in in all of the information like the repertoire what gear do i need how much is it going to cost mm-hmm. doesn't matter how much <laughs> time is it going to take doesn't matter just do it anyway but like yeah I, i'm like eat sleep breathe poop all of it like this is your whole life is around this one idea because you'll learn it on the outside very fast mm-hmm. like oh shoot he picked that up really quick and now it's like oh well now that i've got it i can i can pump the brakes a little bit you don't have to stay at that pace forever which i think a lot of musicians and artists make that mistake too sometimes mm-hmm. so yeah they go on all cylinders and then they just keep going because they don't know they don't know what else to do. They're like, I'm just gonna keep shedding forever. I'm right, like, no, right. dude, like you're not you're not even like you're you're getting diminishing returns on your investment. Uh mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I can say that. For a lot of people too, um like what you talked about, like how much does it cost? You know, what do I need to learn? Sometimes people just put up those barriers that like they don't even end up doing the thing because they're like, mm, I don't have the right gear or maybe I don't have enough time. But there's always time to learn in your free time and you know, you don't you don't necessarily have to have the best gear to get started and to learn something new. No, you just need to have like basics. Like yeah. and, and it's sometimes I think it's it's better that way to use the crappiest gear you can get your hands on. Like Oh, that that'll make you learn quick. Yeah, exactly. it'll, it'll make you learn. And the thing is once you get good equipment, then what you can do is like anytime you run into problems, they won't really be problems because you're like, ah, oh, this is still better than where I started. Mm-hmm. It's still a better piece of equipment. You know what I mean? You can and you're, you're, it just sets you up for problem solving because at the beginning all you're doing is dealing with problems. Yeah. Over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Randy, so let's talk about how um, you perform on stage because I've seen you perform um, saxophone on stage, um, but I know that you're doing like a lot of other things. Uh, you're doing like um, things for like movie premieres and stuff like that. Like, how'd you get into that world and 
how is like your um previous like experience like applicable to that new uh skill so when i was in miami actually nope rewind i was in i was at western michigan okay and i had a band i was in a band called function with a bunch of my friends oh yes yes and we (laughs) would play at a ton of bars and it was crazy because i was going to school learning classical music learning jazz you know and then we were playing funk songs like james brown Mm -hmm. parliament all that kind of stuff and then honestly it was a great it was a great practice tool because i was getting to use I was getting to practice all the stuff I was learning in school in a real world situation and in a different genre of music. Cause I'm like, Oh, now I have all this extra vocabulary and information that I can use. Right. Right. And now I'm getting to, to apply it in real time. Right. So that was really valuable. But then the whole performance element, like I've always been kind of a clown. Okay. <laughs> I'm like almost to so at a lot of times, if I didn't get a handle on it to a detriment, like, Oh, you're going to get everybody fired, bro. <laughs> so I'm like, it, but it, it's kind of where I kind of developed, again, some more of my backbone or, like, performance habits or things that I like to do. Like, I would just, like, jump off stage, go run up, jump on a bar and act a fool for a while. Sure. Because it was funny to me. Uh-huh. And and so, fast forward, now I'm in Miami going to school and I started doing wedding band stuff. So, now I'm learning all the top 40 pop songs. I'm learning all that stuff and getting it, like, in my head, in my bones. And then as I got more comfortable, mm-hmm. I'd start stepping out a little more. You know, kind of what I was saying earlier about, dude, just try it. Okay. What's the worst thing that's going to happen? Oh, so you embarrassed yourself. So what? None of these people know who I am. They're never going to see me again for the rest of their lives. The only people that know I'm a clown are the people next to me. Right. And I don't care what they think either. As long <laughs> as the check comes in correct, right. I'm good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the other thing is I want people to have fun. I, if I'm having fun, I'm right. going to assume... Everyone else is having fun. At least one other person is having fun, right? (laughs) Right. So I'm like, look, let me just try some stuff. And then I notice, oh, people like it when I do that. Oh, the other saxophone player that they have just stands there and just plays his parts and is a good boy. And that's great. (laughs) But he's boring. Oh, no, get him. That guy's funny. He's he's fun. We like whatever he's doing, right? So I kind of kept building on that. Then I moved to LA. Same thing. I start out. I'm a little more timid, making sure, you know, you test the water, see where you're sure, at. Sure, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And then as I get more comfortable, I start stepping out a little more, doing a little more, doing a little more. Hey, man, give me that mic. Let me sing that part. What? <laughs> oh, you sing? No, but I'm going to try. <laughs> but here, here we go. And here we go. And then I just try it. And then I'm like, hey, I know the rap on that song. Give me the mic. Let me try it. And right. they're like, oh, you can do this too? And I'm like, I guess so. I mean, I watched you do it and it didn't look that hard. So I'm going to try it too, right? So then you kind of just keep pushing yourself and adding things and just seeing what you can get away with and seeing what you're capable of. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, oh, okay, well, I liked that. I enjoyed that. Let me do it more. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So your experimentation has like allowed you to like understand your potential. Yeah, I'm like, uh, I just don't, just take your ego out of it. Like, I just don't care about myself that way. Right. I don't mind embarrassing myself because I always, and I always ask everybody this. I'm like, okay, all right, let's break it down. I go out and I do something super embarrassing. And I say, and then what happens? Did anybody die? Mm. Did it, is anyone bleeding from the head because, oh mm-hmm. no, you did something and you didn't sound good or you didn't look good or like, you know, oh no, your pants ripped or whatever could have happened, whatever, whatever embarrasses you. I'm like, okay, and then what happens? It's like nothing happens. Right. Exactly. Nothing happens at all. I, I've now, actually had that happen to me uh, in a skating show before where my pants completely oh. were ripped open and I had to finish the number with them open. It, it is kind of embarrassing, but like you said, like you're not going to see these people again. Like the show goes on. Yeah. And, I, and I'm like, look, okay. 
So what's your opportunity cost there? You could either get embarrassed. You're going to get embarrassed, right? And then what happens as we determine? Nothing. Nothing happens. People yeah. laugh. And if you laugh with them, then I guess you got to laugh too. So that makes it even more fun, right? Right. Exactly. <laughs> and then on the upside, you could have learned something. Yeah. Oh, I learned something. And I learned something that changed my life. Or I developed confidence. Or like, oh, it turns out I wasn't embarrassed at all. I was actually great at this. So the, what, what you have to lose versus what you have to gain, it's, it's silly. It becomes very obvious what the, the correct choice is. Right. Try, 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 do. And, you know, there's the whole Star Wars. There is no try. There's only do. Right, right. What, whatever. It's semantics. <laughs> but just get in there. Like, just see what happens. Like do, you, like, do you know everything? I don't know everything. You don't, Do you know everything? Absolutely not. Right. Nobody <laughs> knows everything. No, so it's like, well, so you don't know what's going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. So why don't you go find out? And then, and then we'll both know. Yeah. And then if you yeah, find yeah, yeah. out, you know, there's an upside. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great insight. And um, let, let's get into what you're, what you're working on right now and what you're looking forward to, like over the next like few months, like any projects, any like compositions, like performances, what's going on? Uh, Marcus told me you're also, you're also doing trailer music for, for film and stuff. Yeah. I've been doing trailer music for about 10, uh-oh, nope. Yeah. 10, 11 years now. Um, wow. Yeah, I write for some some libraries and um, got a track I'm actually working on right now with Marcus, which is sounding really good. I got right. to finish that up in the next couple of weeks. I've actually been out of town quite a bit, um, playing a lot of gigs where I'm sac- playing saxophone, DJing, MCing, and kind of doing a lot of different parts and pieces. I'm uh, going to be DJing for the Mandalorian premiere um, oh, awesome. Awesome. next week. Um, I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, <laughs> I love that show. It's so great. Yeah, so I've got a lot of premieres coming up, a lot of DJ gigs, got some more photography stuff going on. I'm working on a, I got to edit some video for a client that I'm, that I filmed a performance for. Okay. Just a lot. It's a lot of the same stuff, but it's all just like a lot of irons in the fire all happening at the same time. And then I'm still figuring out for myself, I want to start a business of some sort. Okay. And I'm still just trying to figure out exactly what that is. Actually, I like what you guys are doing. Maybe I'll do this. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so much to figure out. Um, but it's exciting. And I think I think the main thing is like also remembering to enjoy the people around you. Yeah. You know, it's not always hustle, 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 hustle. And this is a pretty important story. And I t- I've been telling people this a lot lately. But like every morning when I wake up, my wife sleeps in maybe another hour to two hours than I do. I wake up super early, I, like naturally. Mm-hmm. So then I lay there and I just wait. I'll be on my phone, whatever, but I just wait for her to get up. Mm-hmm. And the reasoning behind it is I could get up first thing in the morning and immediately start working and doing stuff. And that's great. I'll probably wake her up. I'm going to try not to. But if I've got three minutes left to live, I'm about to die. Like it's over. I can guarantee you there's only one place on earth I'm going to want to be. Mm-hmm. It's real simple. Yeah. And every morning I'm appreciating that. And I'm just like, I'm just going to be here. Even if she's not awake, I'm just going to be where she's at because that's where I want to be. And if I got up and started immediately doing stuff, that's great. But I, again, at the end of my life, I'm not going to be like, oh, you know what? Hang on, everybody. Let me go write that one last track. I got, right? that, I got that last five <laughs> minutes in. Uh, that, yeah. Let me play three more choruses on this tune. I'm like, no, nah, this is not important. Like, any of the careers that I have, of however many of them you want to count at this point, I'm like, none of them are me. None of them are my life. Mm-hmm. Music is not my life. Art is not my life. Working is not my life. I'm just here. Mm-hmm. And I like what I like. 
I like hanging out with great people. I like hanging out with my wife, like number one, like all that stuff comes first. And then like music is like 10th on my list of like most important things in my life. Mm -hmm. And it helped. Thankfully, it's there as a support system. It's a great career. I love it. But it's just not number one. And nor do I think I'm not going to tell anyone how to live their life. But I'm just like, eh, I don't think it's healthy. And I think there are much cooler things in, in the, the world, the universe than just what your career is. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think you found like a really great way to like integrate your your passion into work to where it doesn't feel like work, you know, because that's what it sounds like, you know, the relationships is what's most important like to you. Oh, right. And I also kind of refuse to work. <laughs> yeah. And by that, I mean, uh, take the path of least resistance. Like mm, what? Yep. what's the path of least resistance? So it's like if this feels like work to me, then I'm probably doing the wrong thing. Mm. Sure. Maybe I should find something else that I can get lost in. Where, like, if you told me, hey, play Call of Duty for 12 hours straight, I'd be like, okay, I can do that. I'm not tripping. I'm like, yeah, is there going to be food and water? Great. Like, <laughs> this sounds like a great day to me. It sounds like an average Saturday, Sunday to me. Yeah. But it's like, it's like, yeah, if I feel like I have to work, like, because music was like that. I was like, man, I could just do this all day without anyone. Like, it was the opposite. I had had people, like, tell me to stop. Like, you need to stop. You got to eat. You got to sleep. You got to, mm. you know. So it's like. Stop working so hard. Yeah, stop yeah. working. I'm like, yeah. I'm not working at all. Yeah, exactly. I'm doing this because I want to. Like, it's your lifestyle. Exactly. And then they'd be like, oh, well, make sure you still do your homework. I'm like, oh, so I have to do work instead of the, the work you just said. I'm confused. So which is it? But then I figured it out. I was like, oh, just only do that. Mm -hmm. Find something you're addicted to and then figure out how to make money doing the thing you're like a crackhead about. Right. Like, I can't stop doing this thing. All right, great. Well, then just do it and get paid. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden you're a genius and you're hardworking and you're all these. It's like, <laughs> but I no, it's true. Like I, I haven't really worked that hard because I don't think about it like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it, it's so important to find that balance, I think, and whatever that balance is for you. If that's, you know, spending that extra hour laying in bed with your wife instead of, you know, crunching out an extra hour of work, like that's 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 awesome. And I think whether that's, People have different things that relax them or how, what calms them and they enjoy. But I think just finding that balance, even when you have, you know, 10, 20 irons in the fire, you're working on so many different projects. I think it's so important for people. Yeah, I think it's absolutely critical. There's really nothing. There's nothing more important. I'm telling you, I'll say it again. When your life is over, you're not going to be like, man, I wish I could clock in a few more hours at work. Yeah, right. Like you sound like an idiot like you, <laughs> you, or, or, or better yet. You just missed the whole point. Mm -hmm. You missed it. You just missed it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you so you studied at uh, Western. You're in Michigan. You're out in Miami. Uh, you played a lot in New York. What what was it that made you decide on L.A.? One visit. One visit. Uh, I, I'd been to New York like six, five or six times by the time I had visited L.A. once. I came out to L.A. one time. Now again, remember I'm from Michigan. Mm -hmm. It's cold. Super. Oh, yeah. It sucks. <laughs> I, I just came in yesterday. <laughs> From Michigan? Yeah, Detroit. Oh, <laughs> man. Yeah, it's it's cold. It's horrible. I don't like it. Sorry. Sorry, Michigan people. I don't like it. Um, And I also felt like there's a the ceiling was really low. Like, you kind of hit your stride. You hit the top set of gigs you're going to get. And then, oh, and then you just do that for the rest of your life. And I was like, ah, I need to get out of here. I just felt very, like, claustrophobic. You know, I like, I needed, I just needed more. I just needed more. So I go to Miami. And I was like, oh, it's warm down here. 
Oh, it's December and it still feels like June 1st to me. Like, this is great. I can do this. Yeah. And I was like, well, I'll never go back to cold again. So that that part of the equation was solved. But then it's like, yeah, do I go to New York and rough it and do that whole thing? And then I visited LA and it was like, man, the thing I love about LA, I guess, is that like it's every part of the world that I that I do love in one place. Mm-hmm. Because of Michigan, like there are some like it's like a giant set of suburbs everywhere. Like LA is like a giant sprawling suburb, mm-hmm. and so there's a certain hominess that I'm used to that I like that's familiar to me. Um, even some of the nature stuff out here, even though it's different, it reminds me of that. So I have there's like little sprinkles of it, I guess I could say. Like there's still these little elements of home that I like. Then it's got the Miami thing, obviously, because it's a beach town. It's warm. It's great. Um, and then career wise, I tell people I'm like, look. It, if you want to be a fisherman and you're going to move to the desert, you could do it, but you're going to be very frustrated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're going to be very irritated and annoyed. I want to be somewhere where I can get into anything, mm-hmm. anywhere, and I know I can do the stuff that I want to do and still be able to pay my bills and live a normal life, a relatively a- average normal life, if that's what I want. I just want to be able to have choices. So, sure. and then in terms of the music scene, New York and LA both have everything. It's true. There's a much heavier emphasis on the jazz scene in New York than there is in L.A. Mm-hmm. L.A. to me felt a little bit more well-rounded and I felt like I was able or that it's a little bit easier to get your hands into a little bit of everything out here. And that's just kind of how I am anyway. So it was a pretty clear choice once I got here. And I was like, yo, they got mountains. This is crazy. Yeah, right. So I was like, yeah, I got to I got to I have to do this. You were sold. I was sold. <laughs> it, it took one visit and maybe about 15 minutes of being here. And I was like. Yeah, this is it. Scariest move of my life. Yeah. By far. But I was like, yeah, this is this is where I got to be. That's awesome. So uh, tell us, you know, where people can find you, where people can find your music, um, where people can like follow you at, see what you're doing. Uh, wow. Uh, I am on Instagram, Randroid Music, uh, Randy Gist on YouTube. Um, where can you hear my music? Turn on your TV. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. Um, I'm on APM. I'm on a lot of the the music library sites. If you just Google my name, it'll kind of pop up on different things. Yeah, I'm just kind of I'm kind of in there and I'm kind of out there. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. Uh, well, Randy, dude, thanks for being here on the podcast. We really appreciate you coming out and yeah, sharing your knowledge. Pleasure, yeah. pleasure having you. Man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah.